Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With the blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. Hi, everybody. Today, I have Pam LaRicchia on the podcast, and many of you may know Pam. She is a, in my mind, a rock star in the unschooling community and has been a mentor to me. She has written multiple books and has her own podcast and also has a mentoring or a community program, I should say, and maybe you can correct me on that, Pam, if it's it's more of a community that you've put together. It is more of can... a community, yeah. Okay. And yeah. Um, so I asked Pam to come on today because I want to talk about her beautiful book, um, The Unschooling Journey, A Field Guide, and get the story behind it, where it came from, the ideas, and also to pull out some information that she shared in this, in this book that resonated with me deeply and I feel like will resonate with a lot of you. So welcome, Pam. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Missy. I'm really excited to talk with you. I I just wanted to say, like, I guess as a bit of an introduction, yes, uh, we came to unschooling back in 2002. Um, I have three children. They are now all of adult age in their 20s. My eldest just turned 30. Um, and it has been a fascinating, fascinating journey for me. It really started back then when you know, my, my eldest just didn't fit into the classroom particularly well. And yet at home, I could see his enthusiasm and joy for learning. And it was that juxtaposition that was kind of at the heart of my questioning. That's what got it started. And it was actually a few years before I discovered the idea of homeschooling and then quickly unschooling. It was not back then a very well-known thing in Canada where I live. Mm -hmm. So that was that was kind of the genesis of the journey. And when it comes to this book, The Unschooling Journey, what happened with that one is as I was writing my first two books, Free to Learn and Free to Live, um, I was also at that time writing regularly on my blog and I was contemplating writing fiction and I was exploring writing and storycraft more deeply. And when I was doing that, I came across discussions around The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell mm -hmm. and The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogler. And as I read them, I was struck deeply by the connections to my experiences coming to unschooling. So much so that back in 2015, I was excited to write a series on my blog about my unschooling experiences through the lens of the hero's journey. So stage by stage. 
And when I finally made my way through all of that, I discovered that didn't even quench my curiosity about it. I was thinking, you know, because it was always on my mind. I was thinking, okay, I'll go through. I'll write about this. And that'll, like, get me through it to the other side. But what happened was, if anything, it fired up my curiosity about it. And then this book was basically the result of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really feel like... It turned out to be such a journey, choosing unschooling, choosing this path, choosing to do the work that it asks of us to question so many of our conventional beliefs that we've been handed, right, growing up, and just taking that time to see if they truly make sense to us. Do they make sense for my experiences in my life so far? What was my experience going to school? You know, and then what's my experience as a parent? How do I see my kids unfolding? And that just helped me grow so much as a person. So, you know, that's how this this whole journey metaphor really resonated for me. And that's also what I love about calling it a field guide. It is very unique and individual to each person based on their experiences, based on who they are as a person, based on the person they want to be and become. So mm-hmm. that's really kind of the genesis of it all. Yes. Well, and I'll, I'll elaborate a little too on the field guide side to say that within the book, there are multiple pages that are blank with li- or with lines where you're able to take notes and write and maybe people can even share their own story based on that previous chapter, um, as well as beautiful drawings. And if maybe to, to start sort of kind of to, to go through the book, we can discuss what the hero's journey, hero's journey is that Joseph Campbell wrote about, including like kind of what you did in the book is you put a comparison of what the hero's journey is and then what you saw it through the unschooling lens, which I found that so wonderful. And I love that. This, the, the setup of that to give it um, that framework so that you can really kind of dig into the individual sections more and understand it from from that perspective. So, for example, the hero, um, the hero's journey has like a, a main section of departure and separation. And then you directly connected it to choosing unschooling. And so that departure and separation would be departing and separating from conventional schooling. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I, from conventional schooling and really from the the conventional um, lifestyle that embraces them. Like school is mm-hmm. so um, intimately intertwined with, with just being a child, right? With just, uh, just life, the way it, it it happens and unfolds in our conventional in our in our society, right? So this idea of contemplating something and moving towards something that is most definitely unconventional takes some thought, takes some consideration. And one of the things I love about um, that phase of the journey is is the and he calls it refusal of the call in the hero's journey joseph campbell mm, mm-hmm. and i mean i that is totally it refusing the call is <laughs> i think is a lot of people I can to that <laughs> yes absolutely and what i love to emphasize is there's nothing wrong with that that can literally be part of the journey it can be like 
whoa, that is super, super different. I cannot imagine ever doing that. I'm going to take a step in the other direction for a Mm -hmm. moment. But then you may find, oh, something else comes up that reminds you, oh, yeah, there was this other way of doing things. And when you keep knocking against things, the idea can bubble up here. You may start to notice it over in another place that you didn't even think about. It may be a, a parenting thing that you're dealing with. It may be a learning thing. I mean, there are so many different ways that it can call to us, that call to unschooling that we can start with, um, that if it's if it's going to become part of our journey, it will keep bubbling up for us. And eventually it's like, okay, I'll look at it a little bit more. I'll look at it mm-hmm. a little bit more. <laughs> and and then when it start as it starts to make more and more sense, okay, I'll learn a little bit more. Like it's not what I find so fascinating because choosing unschooling, being the first phase of the journey, when we are deep in it, like, oh, I'm considering my kids not going to school. That can feel like that's the journey. That's the end. Mm -hmm. Once I choose unschooling, boom, I'm done. Here we are. We're doing it. Actually, no, that's kind of the beginning of the Mm -hmm. journey, right? It's like, okay, now, now we want to dive into it. And what are we going to learn about ourselves? What are we going to learn about the life that we want to live, the human being that we want to be? And how does that all weave together with our journey to embrace unschooling? So yeah. yeah, I love that part of it. Mm-hmm, for sure. And then it's also, as we've talked about in in past conversations, and I'm sure many people can relate to this as well, is once you pull that thread for one aspect of life and one particular system, then those other threads start being pulled as well because they're all connected. And so one thing you said in your book was that you know, unschooling was that the lens that you looked at life through, which also meant you were going to look at parenting a little differently. So how, how did that kind of, what was, what did that look like for you? Because yeah, when, when my kids first came home from school, they were all in school at the time. Um, At first, I thought I was just going to uh, support them in a different way of learning. We were just going to learn at home instead of going Mm -hmm. to a classroom, right? Um, But then as I started learning more about learning, I started watching them in action. I started to see how valuable our relationship was in supporting their learning, right? In supporting the things that they were interested in, in not jumping in to teach them things, but to um, be with them and help them as they were exploring. Like you really notice with any child that when you're teaching them something, you know, maybe they do it in the moment, et cetera, but so often it doesn't stick because it's not where they are. We've tried to take them somewhere where we want them to be. It's not where their mind happens to be at the time. But Mm. if you give them the space and support them where they are, oh my gosh, the learning that we see happening. And it's learning that they remember. It's learning that they bring with them. 
It's learning that they bring up in conversations that we have. It's learning that connects to the next thing and the next thing. So when we give them that space and we start to see learning unfolding in front of us, we start to see how valuable our connection is with them, our relationship is with them, because, you know, they're not going to come to us if we are always trying to redirect them, trying to tell them what we think they should be doing, et cetera. They're not going to come and share with us the exciting thing that happened while they were doing the thing that they love to do if they're worried that we're going to tell them to stop and do something else. Right. Right. Yes. So that gets in the way of so much learning, doesn't it? It does. And you mentioned that in your book too, about moving from control to connection and how becoming an observer and being curious and excited for them and watching with your own beginner's mind. You mentioned beginner's mind. And I do want to dig into that a little bit because that's a top, that's a, uh, that's a, um, something I learned about and got really, really into when I was going through a mindfulness meditation retreat. And mm-hmm. um, it, it is, a, an, I think it's a powerful little statement in, in that all of us can learn from whether we're homeschooling, unschooling or not, which is to look at the world with that beginner's mind again. If you're in a situation where you're hiking, what would it look like if you looked at this forest, like the first time you ever saw a forest? How would you respond to your cat if it, you you treated your cat as the first time you ever saw your cat? So this idea that we almost gloss over things that really are pro- quite miraculous and amazing and wonderful because we get so used to them. So looking at our children and their learning and their experience with that beginner's mind, and even if we have information that we could probably impart to them, even if we see them doing something that we've done a million times and we know the tricks and the way to do it a lot faster and maybe a hack do we really need to give them that information? Because isn't that kind of where, why we got to where we got because we were able to do it. And so it's like that, you know, that beginner's mind. So can you talk to us a little bit about how that worked for you and your family? Yeah. Oh, I love, love, love that so much. Cause that was one of the big aha moments for me because I thought I was being helpful. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to do the thing and I know the tricks and I'm going to jump in and help them. And that can sometimes be valuable, as you said, but only when that's what they're interested in. Because at that point, if they're interested in doing it as fast as possible, you know, or efficient, as efficiently as possible, that they want to know the tricks right now, like there's nothing wrong with that. And we can share that when they're open to receiving that, when that's where they are, that they want. But giving them the space and understanding that they may be seeing that moment completely differently than we're seeing it. So that's the embracing beginner's mind, the recognition that other people are in the same moment with you and maybe seeing it completely differently. Mm. Like, you know, not factually, but the way that they're um, approaching the thing, the puzzle that they're trying to put together or the toy that they're playing with or the game that they're playing, you know, their mind may be figuring out and maybe totally engrossed in one particular aspect of it. And we come in and we're looking at it through a completely different lens and we pull them away from that. And we, we kind of just stomp all over the opportunity that they were involved in and Mm -hmm. what they were curious about in that moment. And, you know, it's often hard 
for them and us, even in that situation, right? I mean, just put yourself in that situation. You're busily working away and your partner or a friend comes up and says, hey, hey, no, like do it this way. This is mm-hmm. the best way or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes that. No, no. <laughs> because we're trying to figure it out. I, this is so important to me that my mantra, the one that I have now been embracing for years is open and curious. Mm. which is really just evokes beginner's mind for me. It reminds me that there are all sorts of different perspectives on what's happening in the moment and also many different ways that this moment can move forward and unfold, not just the one path that I see it. Mm -hmm. So I can be much more creative and curious about how things will happen. doesn't mean I'm stepping back and just playing the observer role. I may be intimately involved in the moment, but I don't need to be directing it. Right. Right. Well, and it's such a beautiful process when we're able to witness it from that lens And Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times with my children, they would do something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. Or, you know, and I was like, well, how how did you get to that point? I didn't didn't know you could do that. You know, they just giggle and it's kind of like, it's just so cute. And even, even today, my son is 20 years old and we were having a conversation about something and I quickly gave an answer. And then he goes, well, mom, you know, can we, can we break that down a little bit? And then the more we started talking about, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, why, why did I immediately say what I said? Why didn't I, I was like, why do you have to be so practical? You know, (laughs) he starts laughing because it's true. It's like, sometimes we get in these, I already know, cause I'm already a certain age and therefore, you know, and, and then if we're like you said, open and curious, that is such a, that to me is so freeing. If we can Mm -hmm. return back to those thoughts, open and curious. Okay new situation, new person, new idea, open and curious. You know, you see your kid on the floor playing with something that you had no idea they had access to, or you didn't even know it was available. And you're kind of concerned because maybe there's markers involved and there's a white carpet or whatever the case, you know, I mean, obviously if there's something you're concerned about getting broken or hurt, it makes sense to have a conversation about that. But still the idea of open and curious, well, where are they going with this particular material or this you know, game or activity and, and, you know, do I need to interject or can I just sit back and watch? And, you know, even when my kids were younger, I remember when my older, my older son, well, and my daughter too, it was just, you know, there were sometimes they were just like, shh, like we don't, we don't need interference, you know, like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and and to I appreciated to that. Take that. Yeah, exactly. To take that not as, a personal attack or a personal assault on you. No, this is about them. This is about the moment they're having and Mm -hmm. they are engrossed and they don't want to try to have to take in anything else around it. They want to keep going where they are. So, I mean, there's just so many beautiful ways to take what you were talking about. I mean, there's the, um, the giving them space and just taking that moment to check in. Do I really need to jump in? And and then even if it's, you know, markers near a white carpet, it doesn't have to be stop. It can be, oh, let's move that over here. So you try to help them move um, in a way that, that minimally interrupts their flow. Like, so it's not about, it's so not about yes, no, right, wrong. Oh, I mean, and we, The book Mm -hmm. dives into that as being one of the stages as well. Right. But it's, it's about 
respecting all of us as human beings, right? And double checking with myself, like especially earlier on in my journey, I would come upon those moments and I would just have that automatic reaction to like, oh, nope, stop, can't do that. Don't do that in the house. Or, or that makes me uncomfortable, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the thing is. But taking that moment to just think about it for a second, like, <laughs> again, back to open and curious, like, mm -hmm. what am I envisioning? Are there other ways that this could unfold? Is that actually going to be what happens? What would be the worst if that happens? You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's just fascinating. And the other piece from what you said is how much bigger our worlds are, right? By just embracing other people's perspectives and hearing, it's like, oh, you know, let's think about that another way. You really jumped down that path, mm -hmm. that practical path or, or, you know, that's the, you know, and this can be personality wise too, but understanding that our children also have different personalities, different strengths, weaknesses, interests, passions, ways of learning, like all the things they are fundamentally different people than we are. So embracing and supporting that, that doesn't diminish who we are, but it means we can live side by side together. One isn't better than the other. Right. And our world is so much bigger. I, my world has been so much bigger when I fully bring my kids, their thoughts and perspectives and them as people into the moment with me, rather than me knowing what's best for everyone and just trying to even politely get them to follow my path. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in the section where you have leaving the ordinary world behind as part of the journey, and you discuss sort of the metaphor of the whale and how we get swallowed up by the whale, like what is our whale to, to help us kind of transition. Um, and I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that your whale was your home because when you made the decision to unschool or to homeschool, you felt like you just needed to be home for a while and kind of pull back and and stay within within the comforts of your home in order to spend time kind of getting to know each other and your situation or, or just sort of live in that world for a while. Can you kind of explain to us what you mean by that with the whale and the symbology of that? Yes. I, I love that stage so much. And I remember like almost feeling, just feeling energetically bowled over when I kind of made that connection because I'm like, belly of the whale you know mm -hmm. all the stories they seem very you know I'm out on a big journey kind of deal yet as I thought about my own experiences when I connected that to those first months you know maybe even closer to a year I found we really really did kind of cocoon um, for quite some time and it was such a valuable part of the journey for all of us so for my kids it was oh finally they don't have to you know get up and go to school and get homework done and all those pieces they finally got to choose what they could do with their days so embracing the stuff that they would want to play all the time mm -hmm. except you know they couldn't they could only you know evenings after homework was done and weekends were the only times they could dive into the things that they love to play and do so you know 
having the time and space to just be able to just soak in all that stuff was so helpful for them because they were just kind of filling their cup with all the things that they felt they had been missing out on. And yeah, even at that age, they can definitely feel like they're missing out on all sorts of things. Mm. And then for me, that was, I mean, number one, I was with them so I could start to see it in action and watch them. But I was also learning about homeschooling, learning about unschooling, having those, those questions, right? And just trying to, to figure it out. Like, okay, these ideas make a lot of sense to me. And the kind of life you guys are describing, the experienced unschoolers are sharing about and describing that sounds really cool. But you know, how am I going to get there like today with my kids? (laughs) And, and then you've got like, I certainly for me, nobody in my life in my circles had ever even heard of homeschooling. They're like, what your kids aren't going to school like isn't that illegal what curriculum are you using like all those questions and when i am new and just learning i cannot confidently answer those questions Mm -hmm. so giving myself kind of that cocoon to to not feel confronted and then take two or three days to process myself back to, no, no, this is the choice we want to make right now. We want to embrace this and see how it goes. That's really hard to do if I kept, you know, going out and meeting up with people and having comments like that, that felt so confronting to me. It was just so, um, so much more, calm and also I learned so much better when I kind of just cocooned myself in the ideas and with my kids so it's the ideas and then starting to see them in action with my own children there is just a couple stages before that finding our guides Um, because often it's like the Gandalf the, the elderly wizard But I really found at that time that my children were wonderful guides because Mm. when you took them out of that framework, of that structure, of that pressure of schooling and just let them embrace what they wanted to do, oh my gosh, the learning that you see happening, the joy, the fun, like it's like, oh, you know, that's what I'm walking towards. And then you start to say, oh, you know, maybe I get to do that. Maybe I don't need to feel like it's some sort of failure on my part that I don't want to go out all the time and go to these, you know, these things that we're supposed to be doing. I thought we'd be going to the science center all the time and we'd be going, you know, to all the the art gallery, like all the recreational places, the learning places. Um, I thought that's okay. We're not going to school. So we'll be able to do all the things. But no, truly what worked so much better for us was to get to know each other again, to Mm -hmm. hang out together, to do the things that we were really interested in doing and curious about. And I was super curious about unschooling. And they were having a lot of fun with their things too. And so just being okay with that and embracing it 
and then and that shift to being open and curious about the things like that all came together and really evoked that energy of the belly of the whale where they're like oh i'm trying to refuse this thing i don't want to do this journey that i'm being called upon to do and then through that process of being in the whale coming out and saying okay i've accepted this and i want to do this and then really starting the the next phase of the journey the next, from there yeah. that yeah yeah that really that really did um sound very much like that season for us of cocooning mm. before then we became more comfortable with being out and about yes well and i there's several things you said that i want to highlight one is that you know embracing the learning as the parents that sometimes when we decide to do something different that we have a, an image in our head or we envision it being a certain way. And like you said, we were going to trade going to school for busying ourselves with all these activities and adventures. And when that wasn't happening, yeah. you know, you're like, well, am I doing it wrong? And so we start asking the questions again. So it's that idea of the learning is happening for everybody. It's not just about the kids. And then it's also letting go of the timeline that gets put on children so early with when the, in the school model that you have to do this by a certain age and this by a certain age. And that can easily translate into the unschooling world where you're like, okay, there's a timeline. Remember we had a timeline in the other, on the other path, there should be a timeline on this one. And then we even question the timeline. So it's letting that part go and just remembering to look, <laughs> look at your people, look where you are. Don't worry about outside world. You're on your journey. It looks different for those people over there on their journey. And while it's sometimes fun to see what other people are doing because it can give us ideas. It can make us think about things a little differently. We might be able to go, oh, I didn't know about that part. It still needs to come back to you and your kids and and who they are and who, like you said, who what what do you want for your life? And that that time, respecting that time for yourself and even allowing yourself that time is a critical piece of any transition, whether oh. it's, you know, to yeah. going to school, coming home from school, taking a new job, moving into a new city. I just love that that, that whole idea can be put on any transition that people come up against. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I love that you brought up that timeline because, and I know I talked about it in the book too, we can, when we're first coming to unschooling, right? We've decided we're going to do this. We're going <laughs> to nail this. So much of that school ethos is still with us right it's like okay i want an a in unschooling yeah i am going to get the checklist of what unschoolers do and we're going to do that and we're going to do as fast as possible because that is also another idea we've observed growing up that speed means better the mm -hmm. faster you do it the better and just tell me what i need to do and i will do it oh my goodness yeah. can send us off track so much but it is so um normal right that's part of the stuff we're gonna start questioning because it's it's just we have just absorbed that so much growing up right it's like tell me what to do i will tick off those boxes and i will do it as quickly as possible and i'm we're judging ourselves on how well we accomplish that right yeah <laughs> 
part of the journey is just questioning those pieces. How do they get in our way? Like the, the ticky boxing, you really, it's for me, that's the difference between intellectually understanding something and then knowing how it works in real life. Mm -hmm. Right. It's to a point where you can like feel it in your bones, you know, like I can say, okay, no rules or, or unschoolers say you should always say yes to your kids. Like these are all messages and they are all, they all make sense, but you know, they're just the sound bite. There mm-hmm. is an iceberg underneath of yeah. understanding why that makes sense. And you know, when you get to the point of understanding and that being a useful kind of mantra for you, you also understand where, you know, it doesn't work. You know, it's like learn the rules so that you can break them kind of deal <laughs> because you, you aren't going to always say yes. You know, it doesn't make sense to always say yes, yet it can absolutely be helpful to think, you know, why not? Yes when something's coming up because we have so many of these constraints um you know just ingrained in us from growing up that you know we don't throw the ball in the house or you know the marker thing you whatever the constraints are that are just bringing up an automatic no to us we can take that moment to think why not we can Mm -hmm. take that moment to be open and curious to say how else you know, or, oh, this is just me not, not liking to do that thing. It doesn't mean my kid has to also not like doing that thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so it's it's amazing that way. Well, and I and that's one thing you, you mentioned too, that the rules versus principles. And mm-hmm. and I do I do find some of the people that I talk to and I have seen it just in general, like online and social media, that there is a question that people have, especially those new to unschooling well, it seems like you guys don't have any rules. <laughs> and it, like you said, it's wonder, this a yes to everything, really? Like, uh, you know, and then, you know, the, the side yeah. eye or the, or the frown or, and, <laughs> and, and, and it is that, so, okay, let's talk about that. So what is the difference between this idea with rules versus principles? And, you know, you gave some great examples in your book and I will, I will add one real quick before um, you elaborate a little bit more when you were discussing the way we say no and how we kind of jump in because we can, we, we predict, we try to predict, I should say, we try, we try to predict three steps ahead. What's going to look like three steps ahead if they do that thing that we feel nervous about. And I have a um, wonderful memory of my son when he was younger, before he started drinking out of like a cup without a lid, he put um, his milk in a cup and without a lid. And he started walking into our living room where we have, you know, furniture and, you know, carpeting and all that stuff. And I remember holding my breath and I was like, okay. Cause in my mind, I saw milk on the floor, a sour, sour smell in the, in the furniture cleaning for the next 45 minutes. And then I just said, Missy, just let it go. Let it go. If, if he spills it, he look how, look how excited he is. He is so proud of himself for pouring it and carrying it. And he's just going to go sit it on that little table. And so I didn't say anything and he went to put the cup down and it hit the edge of the table and milk spilled out, but it spilled out only onto the glass tabletop. And so he turned around like, ah, and I was like, it's okay. We're good. So I said, how about I just run and grab some stuff and we'll clean it up. But before I did, 
this whole like it started um, bubbling up on the edge. So like the surface tension of the edge of the lip of the glass tabletop held the milk from falling completely off. And so we had this wonderful discussion about how the the glass was made and the fact that it created this little edge. And instead of it pouring right off, it started dripping and dripping. And it was just, and I will never forget it because I remember thinking like how differently that could have gone if I would have just been like, oh my God, why are you spelling things? Uh." (laughs) And, or immediately (laughs) shutting him down for trying something that he felt really sure of himself for. And again, it's a matter of, yeah, okay, kids are going to fumble. They're going to drop things. There's going to be messes, but isn't that what life is? It's a matter of trying and sometimes failing, quote unquote, or not getting it right the first time or, you know, retooling and and re-engaging. And if we constantly get in the way of our kids taking those steps and making those mistakes and or, you know, having those um, moments where things don't go quite as they envision, it's just more information for them as much as it is for us. Right. I mean, and I think that's, to me, that's back to the, to the opening curious piece, like how fascinating was it, how that unfolded for you guys, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like there was so much learning in there. There was working together in there, you know, we can catastrophize things so easily in Mm -hmm. our minds, right? It's like, oh my gosh, look at that milk. Like you said, it's going to, you know, it's going to end up somewhere where it's going to soak in. It's going to smell. It's, it's going to make a mess. Like all those kind of things just jump to our minds immediately. But it is so rare that that would happen. Like even because, you know, you chose to be there with Mm -hmm. them. Right. And, And you saw that that happened. Like that's the piece. Yeah, sure. It could happen if I like, oh, okay, I'm going to close my eyes, let them do that because I always say yes. <laughs> and I'm going to go over here and read my book, right? I mean, then there's a much better chance that might unfold. But when we are living together and we are with our kids and supporting them and, you know, we're noticing that that this is unfolding and we're just kind of paying attention. And then you were there to have the conversation to notice what was happening with the milk drops after it spilled and to just engage with them. Like that was so much richer than spill or not spill. And I'm going to close my eyes over here. Right. It is just so much richer. And The other piece about um, rules that I find super fascinating is that often often people, when they first hear, what do you mean no rules, they'll bring up like often safety rules, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, but but I need to be able to tell my kid, don't run out in the road or, you know, don't do this. Don't play balls in the house. I like all those pieces. And I think the thing that I find really fascinating is I don't literally need to have a rule because when I spout out that rule to my toddler young child playing in the front yard, don't run on the road. I have just given them the responsibility for that. And do I really feel that they're capable of making that choice and of stopping themselves and of understanding why, like all those pieces. So how much value is there in just spouting a rule 
Whereas if I'm like, okay, uh, my child's outside and I want to make sure that they don't run out on the road. And yeah, if something that they're playing with ends up on the road, they're going to, I know my child and they're just going to be excited to go get the thing. They're not going to notice that it's on the road, etc. So I can be there. I can, instead of handing them the responsibility, I can continue to keep that responsibility. And maybe I'm playing ball with them. So I'm the one that goes on the road and I can narrate that as I do it. Oh, you know, looking for the cards. Let me go get it. I'll, I'll go get it, bring it back so we can keep playing. Or maybe if they're enjoying playing on their own, I hang out between the child and the road. You know, so that I can maybe mm-hmm. catch or stop the toy or the ball or whatever. You know, there are so many ways because, of course, we don't want to create a situation where our child gets hit by a car, of course. But a rule of don't go on the road really is not the most effective way for that to happen. Like, you're now telling your child that they need to take on that responsibility and figure it all out for themselves. And, you know, it's just, we as human beings like to, we want to have somewhere for the responsibility to lie somewhere, you know, like if you didn't follow my rule, that's your fault. You know, it's that blame we want to take because you know what, it's work to sit between the child and the road. Or, you know, to play with them, like all those things. But what kind of relationship do we want? What what kind of parent do we want to be? What kind of person do we want to be? You know, because this is almost like age independent. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's about the individual, the person. There may be a wide range of ages in which our child becomes capable of noticing that and catching themselves before they would go out on the road or knows how to look both ways and to safely use the road because we've been with them for however long that took to, to narrate that, to be an example of that, to hold their Mm -hmm. hand while we go out together and do it together because they really want to get the ball. Okay. I'll come out with you, you know, like, and that's when they want to start picking that stuff up. But for us to put it on them because we expect that they should be able to do it, that that really just gets in the way of our connection mm-hmm. and our relationship because then we've set up that expectation, we've put it on them, and now we're going to be mad if it doesn't work out, like no matter what it is. Right? Exactly. Well, and so you know, we you don't said- need the rule for it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and you even said too, like our kids don't want to be hurt either, but they also want as humans to have that, um, the, the understanding of the various ways different environments operate and the narrating piece is so fascinating and so important because, you know, I've, I've talked to multiple different people and one of them was, um, my, uh, former psychology professor when I was in college and she does a lot of research and study on children's memory. And part of what she said is so important to help our kids solidify their memories and kind of create that that story narrative of their life and their family is to do that, to have a narration of their family vacation and have a chat about it and talk. And that's so important because humans do that. We talk in story, you know, we, we have communication and that's what makes us so unique is that we do have that opportunity to talk back and forth and allow our kids to ask questions or even ask a question ourselves that possibly our kids can answer 
oh, you know, I, I took a break before I crossed the road. Did you notice that? Things like that. I mean, that that's part of that narrating too, just to alert them or bring their awareness forward maybe. And, and of course that could be child dependent because we all know our kids and what they're capable of, I believe. And so um, I, I do, I do think that's such an important part is that narrating. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is so helpful, no matter their age. Like it's something we continue to do as they get older because they can't read our minds. They don't see the things that we're thinking about and absolutely it's independent like it are, it's dependent on the child and what they're interested in hearing. So maybe it's just a sentence. Maybe it's a couple of words. Maybe it turns into a 10 minute conversation, a 30 minute mm-hmm. conversation. That's the lovely thing. We have the time for things to unfold. This is, you know, it's not, oh my gosh, here's a learning moment. I need to jump on it. Now, moments will bubble up. And when they bubble up with our child, when they are, you know, brought up by our child or, you know, we're narrating brought up as in they keep asking questions or they're yeah. curious about this. That is when it is going to connect for them. That's when the story is really deeply making sense to them and is just firing on all cylinders in their mind. Because, you know, even just how we process things, how we make choices, that was one of the things that was so interesting to me and completely um, new as in, I did not think about it, but my kids growing up took a lot of processing time, a lot of quiet time, a lot of what looked like, quote, doing nothing time, whether it's walks in the forest or swinging on the swing or just sitting on the couch listening to music, you know, there was so much more processing that they were doing when they had the time and the space to do it. Mm. So, I mean, the learning that was happening there, the just the deeper understanding of themselves, so much more self-awareness, so much more time to think about, oh, you know, I'm having an argument with my friend. I wonder, you know, why that is happening right now or what might I say or, you know, all those different pieces of thinking or maybe it's about their interest. And then us narrating and sharing just little bits that are going on for us. They can be like, oh, you know, because some from the outside, we can look like, oh, you know, we're the adult. We know all the things <laughs> because that's the message that they're hearing all around them. Right. You know, when they're mm-hmm. in the, they're maybe in their music, certainly in some of the TV shows and on YouTube, like adults have this power. Adults have all the answers. Like that's kind of the conventional message. Yet for them to see us making choices, for them to hear us saying, oh, sorry, you know. I'm sorry that I did that or did it that way and and you would like it this other way. Yeah, we can do that. Seeing me change my mind, seeing yeah. the processing that I do as a human being just helps them also feel like a normal human being when it's hard to make a decision or they try, try something and it goes sideways. Like that happens to everybody. It's not just a kid thing. Uh, So there is just so much value in narrating things along the way to whatever level that they're interested in at the moment, because we Mm -hmm. have time for that. It doesn't have to all be done before they're 18 either. You know, like you said, we have tons of conversations with them at all ages. That is the wonderful thing about developing strong and connected relationships with them 
the relationships don't change, even as they get older, even as they move out, like all those pieces are still there and you still have chances for conversations. Things still go sideways as adults, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's, it really is such a beautiful foundation for, and for being a, for how we want to be as a human being in the world, like even changing our minds. Whereas, you know, so often the message is, oh, you've committed to this path and you must follow through and, you know, get to the end. And, you know, questioning that and changing paths is often looked down upon. Yet Mm -hmm. we can validate for that for them. They can see like, I was sending my kids to school and then I wasn't, that was a big change. You know, we can make big changes in our lives and it's okay. And it might be super awesome in the end. Yeah. Well, and I like the part about the um, amount of time that kids do things that maybe from the outside are looking in, they're doing nothing because mm-hmm. again, it goes back to that school lens where the, it, we've been told or the story goes that kids um, will do learning in a certain way and it'll be look like blocks of time that they spend doing a certain thing and then they move to the next and the next and the next. Or if they're not doing that learning, that they are doing nothing, that they're wasting time or they're sitting around idly. And I mean, as an adult, oh my goodness, my idle time from someone looking in is when my mind is the busiest or (laughs) it might not be actively busy as in like I'm actively trying to figure a problem out, but it is a matter of it is working in, in some way. And then all of a sudden this idea will pop into my head and I'll go, oh my gosh, that's it. That's what I need to do. Or that's how I'm going to solve that. Or this is, these are the connections that have been made now so that even though you can't, you know, test it or see it doesn't mean the learning's not happening. And it's so unique and it's so individualized. There's just no way any of us can plan out what a child needs to learn in order to get to the next step because it's so specific to them. And we have no idea how their brain's making those connections. And that's why that communication, I feel like, is so vital because we get to hear their thought process. We get to hear what they're interpreting. We get to hear how they're seeing a particular situation or experiencing the world. And, um, and a lot of that has to happen because we have to be quiet. (laughs) We have to give them space (laughs) to have that time to do the thing. (laughs) I know. And that goes back to the timetable thing too. It's like, okay, I know I need to give them some space and time to like, look like they're doing nothing and then when's that going to be over like how long is long enough and it's that just delicious miasma of creativity I think that's I think where so often new things get connected things get or existing things get connected in new ways where it's like oh that's what I want to do next with that thing But you can't put a timetable on that. And yes, we are surrounded by messages of productivity and having things to show. And, you know, and again, the narrative of urgency, we need to do these things quickly, or we're not good at it, or, Mm. you know, we're, we're a failure, like all those messages that we've absorbed around, around urgency, around speed, around timetables, and and just being productive, I mean, they're just fascinating 
And when you start to question them and you just start watching, like for me, again, back to um, my guides being my children, I could see these things happening with my kids giving, like it was easier for me to give space and time to them um, than it was for me to give it to myself. So I could see it happening with them. And it was only then that I became more confident and like curious about, oh, like what if I didn't put that pressure on myself as well? What mm -hmm. if I didn't keep telling myself, oh, you know, you, you idiot, you didn't get that done. You had all this stuff today and you didn't, you didn't tick off all the things on the list. You know, the messages that, and the way we talk to ourselves is very curious to look at. And, but mm. oftentimes they're just so second nature to us. We don't even realize we think it's our inner voice yet. It really isn't. It's outer voices that we've absorbed and that we're just regurgitating to ourselves. So whatever kind of um, thing we can use to, to remind us, hey, you can question that. And for me, it was watching my kids because once I took that pressure of timetable and productivity off them and gave them the space, oh my goodness. It was amazing. Like the things that... It, that they were productive, the things that they were doing, whether or not it was ideas or things they were literally putting together, etc. Like you could see the value. It's like, oh, this is valuable. It's more valuable than ticking off those boxes. Once I could really see that for a human being, look how it can flow. Look, look what it can become. And if I don't put these, you know, conventional framework of judging things on top of it. And then when I gave myself the space for that, it's just so fascinating. And again, it's not something you can do once and you're done, right? This messages. Yeah, no, <laughs> they, they come process. back. They come, exactly. <laughs> this is not a journey that's ever finished, literally. Like that's it. The last stage is the flow of our unschooling lives. Like mm -hmm. we are living this lifestyle and these questions and things are going to come up. You're going to have new questions as your kids hit different ages. As they all of a sudden a new interest comes up, it's like, ooh, I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that interest. There will always in life be challenges and things that come up. But, you know, it, it's okay. And that's part of learning and growing and continuing our self-awareness, right? Learning more about ourselves, learning more about the people that we live with. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a, oh, I'm going to take this journey and then I'm all done and things are perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the fact that you have three kids, um, I think some people listening who have multiple children run up against, um, a mixture of challenging situations and things where decisions need to be made on the fly or immediately. And, um, you know, there's a concern possibly with sibling quote unquote rivalry. How, um, one, one thing I wanted to highlight that it was part of your story in your book was, um, the stage seven where we already talked about shifting from control to connection, but this was the section where it was moving away from parents versus children. And there were several truths that you wrote about. Um, the truth one was parenting is not adults versus children. And I love how you said that struggle 
happens when parents insist and children resist. And this idea that the struggle really is a choice. It's a decision. So when you're insisting something and the other one's resisting, if you keep going, then you're actively choosing to be within that in that struggle. And that goes right back to that stop, take a breath, take a beat, be curious, be open. And, and it's okay to even use that language, I think, with our kids to say, I see that we're in a, in a struggle right now, depending on our age for kids and things like that. But, you know, we're in a struggle right now. And I feel like we each, or I need to, to be open and curious and, and, and step back for a minute. So as a parent of multiple kids, um, what would you say is some practical advice for people if they find themselves feeling a bit overwhelmed or like they're not necessarily doing in their mind what they need to do for each of their kids or if their kids have even said to them, you know, I'm bored or I don't like what we're doing or this is not working for me. Like how, what, what's some practical advice you could possibly, you could offer to parents in that situation? Well, for me, like for me, those are like challenges that come up along the way. And it's for me, it was so much more, about having the conversations versus Mm -hmm. the judgment. Like if I, you know, my child seems to be saying I'm bored, I want something different for a while. Like I can at first take that as a personal failure, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm failing to provide things that, that grab their attention, that keep them interested and learning and all those pieces. And, you know, a lot of us are going to have that first initial reaction. But as you said, shifting to that open and curious space to learn more about it. Like at first, our reaction may well be, you know, well, oh, you you like to do this thing or how about this thing? And I think this thing is really cool. I think you'll really like this thing. And we'll give a whole bunch of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on what's behind the I'm bored comment, that may help. You know, it's like they were just looking for something else to do. They couldn't think of anything and you help them and on their way. That's really not going to be a challenge that sits with us for too long. Mm-hmm. We can just help them and on they move. Um, but often when it gets that next, oh, but they don't want to do that. They don't want to do anything I suggest, right? So it's like, okay, let's let's get curious about that. Let's learn a little bit more. Let's think a little bit bigger picture. So maybe we look at, oh, you know, so what has been catching their interest before now? You know, what and, you know, maybe it's a game they were into. Maybe it was a certain activity that they really loved. And now they're just kind of pulling back from that. And it is really interesting to just maybe have some conversation. Oh, why is that not catching your attention anymore? What did you used to love about doing that thing? Maybe we can find, you know, a similar kind of um, piece in another activity. Right. So if it was an art thing that they love, maybe a different medium or if it was a game that they love, maybe it's a different kind of game in that same genre. You know, 
these are all the different stages and the different things that we can explore because then there's yet another bigger picture that we kind of like, you know, in the community and just online over the last 20 odd years, there, it can often be a stage, you know, when our kids are transitioning, as we spoke about earlier, maybe from, you know, transitioning into the preteens, they're kind of playing with the kind of person that they want to be. The stuff that used to interest them as a child just isn't catching their attention anymore, yet they haven't found something new for themselves. Mm -hmm. So to be able to, like, acknowledge that with them maybe it's in our narration piece maybe sharing a story where yeah there is kind of this in-between time um and in mentioning that you know maybe they want some reassurance that yes yeah, something will come up but also the reassurance that it's okay to be here you know maybe let's just cocoon for a while is there a favorite show or movie that they want to watch? Do they want to just listen to some audiobooks for a while? You know, is there a way to just sit with that discomfort in a way that is supportive of them? Like not, oh my gosh, we need to solve this problem as soon as possible, right? Because then when they try a new thing and it doesn't catch their attention, that feels like a failure rather than, uh, a reaching out you can just kind of see where the energy is coming from right if it's coming from them and they're reaching out and they try something and it doesn't work that is okay that's part of the learning they've learned something new about themselves like ah, oh, okay that didn't quite work I thought it was going to work because I kind of like this what's another way I might get this maybe they want to talk about it maybe some kids aren't verbal processors right they're more of an internal kind of processor and maybe they're just sitting kind of doing nothing and you're like oh, you know can I bring you a snack you're like being okay and in fact being supportive of this stage of this in-between time and that will help them too not feel so bad about it not feel like something's wrong with them because they're feeling this in-between stage and if you can like, so if they're not a big verbal processor, maybe it's like, oh, I want to try this is the first thing you hear. Right. And then it's like, okay, like, try it. Don't question them. Don't make them explain to you why they're sure they're going to like this thing. Right. They just want to try it and see and gain a little bit more experience. Like, so there are just, there can be so many levels to something that comes up. And like you were talking earlier, you know, with three kids, that will happen at different times, mostly for them. And that is one interesting thing that I found when we have like with multiple kids, it's, it's like, okay, I need to be fair. I need to be spending the same amount of time with each of them. I need to be doing the same kind of thing with each of them. But no, when you dive into it uh, and you want to look through that kind of fairness lens, more of what's fair is helping them out in the way they need your support and help right now. So, you know, maybe an older child is just really into the thing that they're enjoying and you just want to keep supplying them that thing, make sure they're fed, be there for conversations, but it doesn't physically take up a lot of your time. But maybe another younger child is going through this phase where um, they're transitioning between things and they need lots of, uh, 
supportive processing time where they just need to see your confidence and love in them and your sureness that this is completely normal and it's okay and you know, you're there for them any way that they need. That takes up maybe more of our energy, maybe a bit more of our thinking, maybe more of our physical being with them, you know, and that changes over time with all of them. And so, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what I would suggest is is meeting the child, who mm-hmm. they are and what their needs are in the moment, regardless of the others. And then there are seasons where they're all needing a lot from you and those are more tiring. But then you can also remind yourself that it's a season. You can yes. also be narrating that I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I need some extra sleep tonight. It doesn't mean martyring ourselves, but it also can mean choosing to step out of my comfort zone and be tired for a while because I feel this is something important that I want to do. And all of those answers are okay. But coming back to realizing that it's our choice and this is the kind of relationship we want to have, you know, that for me, that's kind of where it lies. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, oh yes. No, there were so many good nuggets in there. And and I, I'm glad you brought up the fair doesn't mean equal. That was part, that was a truth three in your book. And that I actually highlighted that because somebody who worked in the special education world, when I worked in the public schools and the private schools, um, the, what the private school I worked in, that was a piece of their sort of motto that they talked to the parents about and the grandparents were invited. And I love that because they really emphasize this idea of individualized education. And that's the truth with all of our relationships. If we went around constantly saying to ourselves with our children, okay, everything has to be equal. We would be a mess. Everybody would be, (laughs) it would just be so tense and so stressful because you're constantly measuring, 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 measuring without really, like you said, looking at the child in front of you. Because if I went to my daughter with what my son might require, she might look at me like, I'm crazy. Like, why are you giving me this? I don't want that. (laughs) You know? And I think that's, you know, the physical part of that, the emotional part of that, you know, the actual activities, what my son likes to do is going to be completely in some ways different than what my daughter um, there's there's a whole idea of love languages. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but there mm-hmm. you know, there's that piece of it when it comes to what what makes our children feel loved, and they're and they they can be very different. Some may love words of affirmation. Some may love you know um, your time. Some may really appreciate it when you do things for them, um, like service, and some may love physical touch. So you just have to know your kids and let go of this idea of if I don't do this for every single one of them, then I'm going to somehow fail them. And I I just think that's such an highlight, a good point to highlight because it also lets you off the hook a little bit. I think it makes, when I, when I have learned and read and tried to understand my role and also this journey that I'm on as well, um, Anytime something resonates with me that makes me feel like I just had a little bit of a weight left off my shoulders, it just feels, it's like, ah, okay, good. So the, you know, this, this part is really important, I think, for families to, 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 to take in and embrace because it does really speak to looking at the kids in front of you and not assuming that you understand everything and that you need, that you know everything and that you have to have it all figured out right now it's a process and it's an ebb and flow and it's you know it's just it's a journey it literally is a journey (laughs) it is and and what she's talked about with the weight that's just uh, I mean it's phenomenal it's exactly 
it. Like when you realize that, oh, I don't have to have all the answers. If we're having a challenge, I don't need to figure out the quote right way to solve it and then tell everybody else. We can all just work together. Like I can bring my information to the table or my perspective, what I'm seeing, but also be open and curious to hear what other people are saying. So many times, and I suspect this is your experience too, Missy, when we bring something to our kids, oh my gosh, their solution or their new creative ideas for a way to move through something are spectacular and also something I never would have thought of. <laughs> hmm yeah. Yeah. And especially yeah. when it's about them, it's again, it goes back to how are you really going to know exactly what's happening inside another person's mind? And, you know, even the idea of kids being in the same family and how they can be vastly different because they are experiencing their families very differently. The first child has a very different family unit than the second child. And that family unit looks different than when the third child comes on. And so it's this well, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the, yeah. the, the template, the template of open and curious, we're going to go back to that again and connection over control. And, um, and I also love what you said. I'm going to, I'm going to quote this from you um, in your book. It's, it's, it's worth the effort to figure out what happened and get back on the path. It's living and learning and growing. I mentioned this is hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> And that, yeah. that's in relation to the idea of people feeling like they're doing it wrong and they have to jump off the, the path. They have to they have to abort everything and run back to what they left because they felt like maybe, oh, I just need to go back to what I left because that's what people know and what I'm familiar with. And obviously I'm doing it wrong because it's hard. I know sometimes like, so as we were talking about many of these, you know, you're going through a challenge with your kids and, and it can be like, oh. If And, you know, if you take that out, we were talking about cocooning way back at the beginning. And if you take that out to like maybe extended family or friends with a more conventional mindset, the minute you mention that there's a challenge, it's like, well, send them to school, mm. <laughs> you know, because that's the answer. That is the thing that looks most different about you. So if that's hard, then put them back in school and then we can at least all share the same common problems because. <laughs> they're not all walking around like, oh, life is great. Life is wonderful. This is this is beautiful. No, everybody has challenges. So it, it is fascinating to think of it that way. And that's the one thing I want to emphasize in the book. It's totally normal. Like these challenges are going to come up and it's hard to work through them. Um, it can take a lot of thought and energy and self-awareness and we're growing as a person. It is worth it right? Mm -hmm. It is worth that energy, no matter what situation, like if you're a single person, like challenges come up, processing through them and working through them and learning more about yourself and, you know, choosing another path and tweaking things like this is about being human beings in the world. And with this unschooling lifestyle, that's what we're helping with our child, right? To gain experience with this, to um, gain experience with making choices, with things going sideways, learning more about themselves, learning the things that, you know, maybe environments that they're not very comfortable in, finding environments that that they can enjoy learning more in, that they mm -hmm. just enjoy navigating and engaging in. like. We're just trying to help 
them um, gain experience with being a human being in the world. Like things don't change just because, you know, they hit age 18. It doesn't look different from one to the next. My lifestyle doesn't look different. Like it shifted um, Mm -hmm. as we came, but as I was unschooling my kids, once we, you know, kind of moved through that de-schooling phase, my life looked very similar to their life, Mm. right? We were doing the things. We were following our interests. We had some things we wanted to do that we needed to do. Those were incorporated into our days. You know, we had times that we needed to go out places. That was incorporated into our days. Like we were all just human beings living together, Mm -hmm. really, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I also like the fact that you're talking about the discomfort because sometimes people may just gloss over that part and not really mm-hmm. rec- not really give credence to it and 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 because they feel like if they talk about the discomfort then they are going to be met with this challenge of well then just stop doing it but that's yeah. not life we don't just stop just because it's challenging we recognize that okay we've hit a hurdle how are we going to jump over it how are we going to go around it are we going to go under it like what are we going to do so now we see it and and to not run away from discomfort because that teaches our kids to not not want to um, want ever have those challenges and that sends a wrong message I think to okay you feel uncomfortable so run away from it as fast as you can instead mm. let's come back and go okay well what about this particular thing does make you feel uneasy and there's there's nothing to say that you have to be within this un, this this discomfort or unease for x number of hours it's just you've noticed it now you've recognized it so what are we going to do differently and um and you know if anything i know for myself and i have witnessed it with my kids some of their discomfort has been some of their biggest teachers where they've noticed wow i do i will never do that again <laughs> or that is definitely <laughs> not a job i want or you know and and so it's like how amazing it is that if you have that lens of everything is it the everything goes into the bucket of learning and yeah and then you just take out of it what you need for that next part yeah one of the big aha moments for me and it's from stage eight accepting the value of all experiences um for me i, I wrote and then it hits us Life isn't about trying to avoid the, quote, bad moments so we can finally live our, quote, good lives. We've been living our full lives all along. Because as you said, these moments, these times of discomfort, this experience of challenges and finding a way to move through challenges, we learn so much. Like even, you know, bad things can happen in our lives completely out of our control yet Mm -hmm. we still get to choose how we respond to them right how we process them what we take away from them you know the time that we chose to just power through that and then we like there's no wrong choices with every choice to move through things we learn more about well how did that work for us do i feel good about that choice if i kind of feel um uncomfortable with some of it like why what could i do differently next time like we Mm -hmm. are always learning through all these moments and those are all part of our lives it's because i i remember that oh if i could just figure out this unschooling thing then you know the kids would always be happy we don't you know (laughs) things wouldn't go wrong we get to choose our thing what can go wrong when we get to choose what we do but oh my gosh holding out that carrot of oh here's your good life 
down there when you yeah. figure everything out, you know, the right. realization that, oh, life is all of it. Be, you know, when I look at those moments of discomfort, like you said, there can be so much growth in there. Mm-hmm. But it's not about expecting there to be or insisting that there is. But when you are present in the moment, when you're, you know, not trying to ignore it, but you're thinking it through, even if you do it after depending how long the experience is, you know, you, you figure stuff out, even if it's like, Ooh, yeah, that went good enough for me. I'm going to do the same thing next time something similar like that happens. That's more learning too, right? It's like, Ooh, yeah, that, that went okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to be changing to be learning. It could be yeah. the experience that, you know what, we got through that pretty well. And the thing is, when we're talking about focusing on the relationships and the value of that for learning, the value of that too, for moving through challenging times, for moving through emergencies, like there's a trust built up there in the relationship that even when things go super sideways or something you know, urgent happens, there is that trust and connection that we can draw on, right? That so mm-hmm. maybe it means we manage to have that uncomfortable conversation with our partner yeah. or a child, or they trust us enough to like, oh man, I really screwed up. Here's the thing. And they want to process it with you and they want to talk it through, you know, something that already happened. You know, that is so valuable just for human beings to like oh yeah look how that went and then you can talk about you know oh maybe maybe you're talking about ways so that they don't find themselves in that situation again or maybe Mm -hmm. you're also talking about ways that if they find themselves in that situation what else could they do like all those different pieces can can come up but if if the relationship isn't strong and trusting and respectful before then there's so much more chance that when things go sideways, it's going to be more headbutting than mm-hmm. it is helpful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, definitely. It's, I call it creating the container where we create that container uh, yeah. and all those interactions and all those experiences when they're younger and they build and build and build. And then they have that emotional safety net of that family or those people they can depend on. And they just know that they're trustworthy and that they know that they can mm-hmm. go to them for anything. And that's so valuable. And, um, yeah, I just can't overstate that enough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's not about judging good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's having that safety net when life happens because life happens. No, it will for sure. We all (laughs) all can relate to that. Um, well, we, I mean, I could keep going because there's so many other parts of the book that we haven't even gotten to yet. So I'm just going to say to everybody, they need to just get it. It is this beautiful, wonderful book, The Unschooling Journey at Field Guide. And um, Pam, before we wrap up, are there any parting words or words of advice for parents either new to this journey or maybe who are on it and uh, maybe feel stuck right now? They're on that section of the journey where things feel big and hard to overcome. Yeah, you know, when whether you're new on the journey or whether you're feeling stuck, I mean, for me, it really was reminding myself to embrace that beginner's mind, right? Realizing that, okay, there is more going on here. If I'm stuck, there's something that I'm missing. Mm 
you know, whether it's a piece about my understanding, whether it's a piece of the choices of the people that are also involved in it or whatever. Um, when I can make that shift to being open and curious, it's like, I'm stuck. I need more information. I don't know where to go from here. Um, that I think is just uh, a, a really helpful thing to be able, even if you're just curious with yourself and you're asking yourself more questions, like why is always a big question for me. Like, why do I think that, you mm -hmm. know, where is that coming from? Why is that coming up for me now? Like, and, and, you know, what if I thought this was really cool? Because so often something comes up that's uncomfortable for me um, and I'm feeling stuck for some that someone else is wanting it. It's like, oh, what if I was a person that really loved that thing? What would I do? How would I see things? You know, who would I be? Just to be able to play around with that in my mind is really helpful. So, yeah, uh, to be open and curious when you're newer at unschooling. So it may be more focused on just learning about unschooling and understanding it and being with your kids and looking to your kids to see how it's unfolding. And then mm -hmm. same if you've been doing it for years and something's come up and you're feeling stuck, again, get open and curious about it. How else can I look at it? Look to my kids again and see what they're up to and see what they're doing. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is why we chose unschooling. Um, and maybe maybe if it's something to do with with an interest they're having or a, an environment that they're in or something, you know, I learn more by looking to them again. So either way, being open and curious is, is a really, really helpful tool, I think. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And it's funny too, when you were saying that, I was like, you know, we're real good at asking other people why, but we are not so great at asking ourselves. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so tell us where, where can people find you? And also, will you talk to us a little bit about your community you've created? Sure, sure. Uh, my website is uh, livingjoyfully.ca. Um, I do have, if you sign up there, I have a free book, What is Unschooling? Or you can find it free on any of the retailers. Um, I have two podcasts now. The Exploring Unschooling podcast has more than 300 episodes in the archive if you're curious to learn more about unschooling. <laughs> and Last fall, Anna Brown and I started the Living Joyfully podcast, which is focused on exploring relationships. So we're having a lot nice. of fun with that as well. Mm -hmm. And the community, that's called the Living Joyfully Network. I also host that with Anna. Um, we have monthly themes there through which we explore unschooling. So which is to say basically life through the lens of unschooling because everything comes up, right? Mm -hmm. And we have weekly Zoom calls where we meet up with members to talk about their questions and challenges and share updates and aha moments. We basically kind of just discuss whatever's on anyone's mind. And they're recorded for those who can't make it. We change up the time for different time zones because we've got members from all over the world. And it's really just a group of people walking this journey together. We have members, mm. we have members with kids who are not school age yet, who are considering this path. We have members with adult unschooled kids. Like we have a, a vast range of unschooling experience, but there's also a vast range of life experience. And it just brings such a beautiful 
um, richness to the conversations and everybody is just <laughs> open and curious and trying to figure things out and um, are bringing their questions at any time and just like curious to, to hear how other people are seeing things because you know when you're ha maybe having a challenge so often we kind of get tunnel vision and fixated on it right so mm -hmm. the act of kind of writing it out can start knocking things loose and other people can sometimes or often see other pieces that we're just too close to to notice so right. getting some feedback that way just starts knocking things around and bubbling new things up and new ways to look at things it's not at all about telling anybody what to do like when you join we really say you know we're not here for advice but people share their experiences and you can take in those experiences and see if they make sense to you see if they um, give you a new idea see see how they relate to your children and your family or how might you tweak them in a way that works better for the individuals in your family so anyway, yeah, I, I love being part of it. It reminds me um, of the choices I'm making as a, as a lifestyle for me too. And it's just inspiring every day to pop in there. Mm -hmm. I imagine so. I know how many times when I've joined a group or had a chat with people, um, especially with families who are on the earlier side of things, I leave feeling refreshed and renewed again. It's almost like I'm going to unschool harder <laughs> now. I'm, you know, it's like, I'm going to go at this with a, a new sense of, I just feel refreshed and like a yeah, reminder of why it is. It's great. It's wonderful. So I love that you are doing that. Um, so thank you so much again for, for spending some time with me and talking about this beautiful book. And uh, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I get to know you and uh, that, that you have been a part of my mind and, and part of my journey as a mom and an unschooling mom for, for all these years. Thank you so much, Missy. I had so much fun chatting with you about the journey. I love it. It's in, it's inspiring to me. I'm coming away from this conversation with that nice new refreshed energy. So thank you so very much. Thank you for listening. I hope our conversation has inspired you to answer your own call to adventure, whether that is traveling, changing jobs, cities, schools, or diving into unschooling. Whatever adventure you choose, know we are cheering you on. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.